On today's episode of the John Campius Show podcast, how much is too much to pay for all the streaming channels that we have right now? Also, The Boys' highly anticipated spinoff series, Gen V, drops its very first trailer. Barbenheimer, Barbie and Oppenheimer lead the way to the fourth biggest box office weekend in Hollywood history. Speaking of Oppenheimer, did you know that they sold $5 million worth of Oppenheimer tickets because of people going to the theater and found out that Barbie was sold out? We're going to talk about all that and a whole bunch more. The John Cabot Show podcast starts right now. Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie-related show on the planet Earth, The John Campus Show, coming from right here in our quaint little studio, brought to you in part by our friends at Mint Mobile. We are so glad that you guys decided to join us here today where we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming, and all sorts of good stuff, not just giving you our opinions, but giving you information and context so you guys can form your own well-informed opinions, whether they're the same, or completely different from ours. I'm joined in studio today by Ray Ora. Hey, hey, hey. We got Jonathan Voik over here. Hello, everybody. Chris Carr is currently on vacation in London. London. You sound like you're from London. Bonus points to anybody who gets that reference. Uh, so we're going to go without her here today, but I believe she returns tomorrow. So we're excited about Chris coming back. And most importantly, you guys are here. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to start off by talking about those topics we listed off. And then the last part of the show, we're going to take questions from our YouTube channel members. Every day, we ask our great group of supporters over on our YouTube channel if they have any topics or questions for us to discuss. And we address as many as we can every single day. Also, want to remind you guys, if you are watching this on our YouTube channel, the best way to experience the John Campus Show podcast is in podcast format. And we do have our podcast feed of the John Campus Show podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasting app of choice. By the way, guys, even if you like to watch it on YouTube, go and subscribe to it on a podcast channel so it'll be there the next time you need it, whether you're driving, at work, going jogging, whatever, the podcast is there for you. All right, guys. With that down, let's get into our first topic here today. Now, look, a lot of us all thought, and I was one of them many years ago, that thought, you know, when streaming becomes a thing, it's going to be way easier, way cheaper than this outrageously expensive package of cable that we have to get to get all this stuff we don't even want, and the future will be a lot cheaper. Well, turns out, that it's not cheaper, but how expensive can it get? And how expensive will we consider it to be too expensive? Now, that is the topic of today's Mint Mobile hotline question of the day. Listen, guys, if you got a question either for our podcast or for one of our short YouTube videos, you can call in your topic anytime, 24-7 at 951-268-4259. And once again, today's question is about just how expensive is too expensive for the streaming channels. Check it out. Hey, John and crew, this is Zach, the bartender from Ohio, and I'm calling about the streaming wars. I'm wondering what the breaking point will be when it comes to the prices of these streaming services. Um, I'm wondering if you think you'll, there, there will be more pirating going on, to be honest, or most people are just going to keep on swallowing these higher price packages. Love to know what you think. Thanks for taking my question, and don't have a good day. Have a great one. You know, the cost of streaming is is one that we have to talk about every once in a while because it feels like every other week, I know it's not literally that, but it feels like every other week, 
that we're finding out, hey, Apple Plus just raised their prices. Yeah. Or, hey, Disney Plus just raised their price. Ooh, Netflix just raised their prices. Or Paramount just raised their price. Ooh, now Netflix removed the more reasonably priced tier. Whatever it is, it just feels like the cost of streaming is going up and up and up. And as a result, we're constantly asking the question, and you guys keep writing in about, hey, is this price increase okay? Was this price increase too much? You know, all that kind of stuff. Now, look, when the streaming era really got started, when Disney Plus came out and Max was got going, all that kind of stuff, we, we warned people, especially when Disney Plus launched. Because what did Disney Plus launch at? Was it like six or seven bucks? It was ridiculously cheap. Yeah. It was like, oh, how can I not, how can I deny the entire- I can't afford not yeah, to get it. Yeah, the entire Disney like content library, come on. And, and listen, a lot of us warned, hey guys, don't believe for a second this is where the prices stop. All right, they are going to jump. This is like the guy selling meth on the corner, oh. right? Oh, you know, Phil. Ray. Phil. Phil. Yeah, Phil. I know Phil. <laughs> yeah, he's a good guy. The good guy, Phil. Yeah, but selling meth on the corner, where it's like, yeah, your first hit is really cheap, but then once they get you hooked, then they start raising the prices. But then it's too late. You're already hooked. Congratulations. Now look, <laughs> when we look at the prices of streaming, it ain't cheap. Like, check this out. This is a graphic that uh, Jonathan sent over to me. Let me see if I can zoom in here a little bit more here. But look, like Netflix right now, not even for the big 4K version, almost 16 bucks. Amazon, I mean, you can just get the standalone Prime video for nine bucks, but most people just get Prime. And by the way, there's a lot of benefits you get with, the, with the Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. I, I do love being a Prime member. Disney Plus now is almost 11 bucks. Apple TV Plus is 7 bucks. Hulu, the ad-free version is almost 15 bucks. Max is now about 16 bucks unless you get the ultimate. I'm not what is the ultimate plan? I can't remember <laughs> what that is. But that's like almost 20 bucks. Peacock is now almost tw 12 bucks. Paramount Plus ad-free is 9 bucks, almost 10 bucks. Discovery Plus, which you don't even need now really with with Max, but is $7. I mean, you're just on these ones alone, you're looking at a price tag well over $100 already. Just on these. And there are a few others you could have. And that's without taking the highest price ones into consideration. So the question now being posed is, how long are these prices being raised sustainable? And that's a fair question to ask. Because look, I have taken the slightly unpopular opinion that, look, honestly, when you look at what you get for any one of these streaming services, it's actually a pretty good value for the dollar. Disney Plus, at like 11 bucks, and it's going to go up, but for now, at 11 bucks, that's actually a good value. When you look at the, at the amount of stuff that's just in their catalog, all the Pixar films... All the history of Disney films, all the Marvel films. Like, I'm, we're not even talking about the original content you get. Some of it's good, some of it's not <laughs> so good. But, I mean, you are getting a lot for 11 bucks a month. Yeah. I would argue the Nat Geo stuff is, is, yeah, they a lot of charge people, separately for that. Listen, a, a lot of people criticize me sometimes, and I get it. They're right that I never even bring up the Nat Geo mm -hmm. stuff. And for a bunch of people, that's the only reason they have Disney Plus. Like, you actually get a lot. When you look at Netflix at 16 bucks a month, my God, you look at the catalog they have. I mean, that is a by far the most expansive catalog out of any of the streaming services that you get with the addition of a lot of new stuff that's introduced every month. There's some good, some not so good. But at the end of the day, 16 bucks a month for that 
tens and hundreds and millions of hours of programming and entertainment you have access to, that's actually not a bad thing. Amazon Prime, again, you get all the other benefits, not bad. Apple TV Plus, oh my God, look at the quality of the stuff on Apple TV Plus. It's remarkable how strong they've come out. Seven bucks. Here's the problem. I think all of us would agree that all of those prices are reasonable. You go to a night, you go to a club one night and you order one drink, one drink. This is one of the reasons I'm not a drinker, but you order one drink and you're in some cases paying more for that one drink for one night out of the club than you are for Netflix for the month, right? You buy one video game this month. You just paid for all of your streaming services. I mean, again, so my contention that when you look at the prices of each one of these individual streaming services, it's a reasonable value for your dollar. The problem comes into play when you're an idiot like me that wants to have all the streaming services. Yep, you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ray, of course, is on the special John tier yep, so of the many, streaming so services. Many to from. <laughs> so... Like, that's the thing that it starts to add up because I'm one of those quat criers and whiners before about cables too expensive. Bring on streaming. So I'll pay like a quarter of what I'm, well, now I'm paying more for streaming than I ever did for cable. Streaming is still better, but we're paying a lot. And the question becomes that our caller is calling us at what point does it get too much? It, it, it depends. Cause here's the thing. I think the fallacy that a lot of us have when looking at the price of streaming is we don't look at each individual service. We look at all the streaming services combined, right? Because I don't hear a lot of people saying, hey, it's seven bucks. Apple TV plus is too expensive. But what we are saying is my streaming bill, like we're talking about yeah. all of our streaming services is too much. And is that a problem of the companies or is that our problem? Because listen, I drive a car, but I drive one car. I looked at all the different cars that are out there and there's a lot of cars that are very good and very nice. And there are things about all the different cars that I like. There are some cars that have features that other cars don't and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, I can't afford to own all the cars. Sure. There's a lot of great cars out there. That's, there's a good image Jonathan just put up. There's a lot of great cars out there, but I cannot afford to have all the cars. I get to pick one, but there's so many days of the week. But the, what are you thinking, John? <laughs> you can't you can't drive the same car on Tuesday that you drive on Monday. Yuck. But I got to make a decision to pick one, and I get to have one. Now, if I decide to follow the financial advice of the Jonathan Voico School of Economics yeah. and buy one car for every day of the week, let's just even just not even the weekends, just Monday through Friday. I can go and buy five cars, but I then don't get to complain. Cars are too expensive. <laughs> well, maybe you should just have one car then. What I'm, my point here is this, is that amidst all my crying and all my belly aching and all my bitching about how much I'm paying for all my streaming at once, any one of these companies can look at me and say, well, look, don't blame us that you decided to get seven other streaming services. You know, Amazon could say to me very reasonably, look, we think our product is priced very reasonably for the value you get. Disney could look at me and say, look, our thing is priced reasonably for what you get. Netflix could say the same thing. Paramount could say the same thing. It's not Paramount's problem that I want to have all the other streaming services. And the reality is we are 
rapidly approaching, if not already there, coming to a point where we as individual consumers are going to have to start asking ourselves, which streaming services do we want and which streaming services can we do without? The problem, of course, is FOMO, right? The fear of missing out. Because it seems like every single one of these networks has, whoops, has something that's really good on them. Every one of these services has something that everybody says is a must watch, mm -hmm. whether it's Silo or Stranger Things or whether it's Andor or whether it's, you know, whatever. They each have one. So we end up putting our money out. And then, you know what happens? Here's where it really gets us. It becomes like a gym membership. Because a lot of people may get max. Um, excuse me, what's that? <laughs> what's a gym membership? <laughs> a lot of people may get max because I don't know. what what's a, Because they wanted to watch House of the Dragon, right? Yeah. Well, then they watch House of the Dragon, then it becomes like a gym membership. You just forget to cancel it. And then you think, ah, it's only 10 bucks. I'll cancel it next month. And then before you know it, we open up Rocket Money, by the way, one of our sponsors, and we <laughs> notice on our monthly recurring bills, we've got like, why do I have 15 streaming services I'm paying for? <laughs> so the question to me is not really how expensive can they make these services? Because when you take it on a service-by-service -service basis, I still contend we're getting good value for our dollar. The question becomes, how long can we just as consumers just get all the streaming services when we at some point are going to have to get the point. And maybe we're getting to that point now that we are all going to have to start picking and choosing which ones we want and which ones we don't just like the car we drive. You get to pick one. Now, fortunately streaming is cheap enough that I don't think we only have to pick one streamer, but we're going to probably have to start picking the things we don't watch. Yeah. Like Ray, you know, <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Of all the services if, I pay for, yeah, which, should which I get one rid of? shouldn't I pay for that you watch? Um, you know what? When I was there, I, I was surprised that you didn't have something because I, I wanted to watch. What was it? Was it Peacock? Do you have Peacock? I have Peacock. Yeah, that's where I, I, I watch Parks oh, and Rec in the Office and all that kind of stuff. Okay, what happened was I the, Mario Brothers. By the way, the Mario Brothers movie is now. Oh, that's Peacock. right. Yeah, reason to go back to Peacock. Again. I thought right. you did. I thought you didn't have Max, but then it was on something else. Yeah, okay, I have so Max. You have every. You do have everything. Um, yeah, which is stupid. I'm gonna have to start dropping a couple of things. I think. Yeah. I don't. I can't uh, say for you, but okay. The limited streaming services that I subscribe to, let's say three. I had three at the most. I, I took a hit one month, like, and I was like, why Why don't I have this money? And I looked at all of them, and I was like, oh, yeah, I don't watch anything on this. And I just took it off. I forgot which one it was. I, this is a bad example because I have no I mean, I, I specifics. I used to waver with Hulu. But the only reason I have it now is because it's part of the Disney Plus package, the ESPN, Hulu, Disney right. Plus. Yeah, yeah. And I'm grandfathered in, so. And my rule is, if you question any of the streaming services, take it off. If there's even a question about it, that's, that's. But here's the thing, every single one of them has something that I really they, like. In your head. Yeah, and for me, like, even if you look at, at Paramount Plus, right? They, they've got all the, the uh, Yellowstone universe stuff. Uh, they've got uh, well, they've got the the Star Trek stuff that yeah. I really like. And, and, yeah. And speaking of Paramount Plus, I might have to re up it again, only because I heard they're adding all the Ninja Turtle library to it. So, oh wow! Yeah, like all the cartoons, the '87 cartoon. Well, and I would love to go through all. Of them. We should just basically call Ray's camera shot the turtle shot. I know. Okay, let me look at what's in that shot right now. Like where there's the shirt he's wearing, the toys on getting the pumped, thing. baby. Come on, <laughs> turtles are coming, man. I mean, turtles you do, are coming. You make a good point though, because I was like, okay, but I want to binge the uh, Mission Impossible's, and those are on Paramount. 
So yeah, it's like I, they have these little things. They're just like, yeah, I don't know. Oh, oh, guess what? I did. I actually still have Paramount because I remembered. Okay, I tried to cancel it the week past weekend, but it said no. Don't go. We're going to give you two free months. There you go. And then I click, yeah. So I still have it. Yeah. By the way, every service I have, when I go to whatever service it is, mm-hmm. streaming service, some other service, you go to cancel it. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Wait, we'll wait, give you this buddy. great deal. My recommendation to everybody is go online and try to cancel every single on every single and service you have. Offer it, yeah. And see what deal, they'll, the retention deal they'll offer you because you'll uh, probably get some good free stuff. Oh, I did stuff. it with Creative Cloud. For yeah. a year, I got to pay half price. It, I need to cancel my Creative Cloud yeah. then. You so know the I, most- it's the last step. And it's like, are you sure, sure? Because we'll give it to you for like 25 bucks for a year. And I'm like, okay. Twenty five bucks a month because it's half the. Because I'm paying like almost seventy bucks a month. I'm back up cloud. to the normal price because I went beyond the year now. But that's saving like four hundred bucks for the year. So, yeah. so on the weekend, I try to add one more streaming service. It was Max because I know they usually premiere like the, um, or they have the animated the DC animated movies. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know how that War World is going to come out pretty soon, or if it. Did, I don't pay attention to that's the. It's probably going to come out on Max. So I was looking. What I usually do is I go online and look for free trial with the streaming service. It turns out Max never gives free trials ever, ever, ever. I got a free trial when I first signed up for HBO Max. Through Amazon, through Amazon, someone said, oh, you get a seven day trial. And I was like, I'm going to forget about it. See, when you said you were trying to sign up for, I thought you were going to get sex court TV. Wasn't that the one you're signing up for? Well, I already, you know, yeah. Oh, you already binged all eight seasons. Yeah, of course. Okay, never mind. You know, one thing that's cool that Apple TV does, it's not even if you buy something like a a device now. If you own a device, they'll give you Apple TV for a year or something like that. Yeah, listen, well, I first got Apple TV Plus because I bought an iPad. Mm -hmm. And and I just got this thing in the email when I bought my iPad. Oh, by the way, you get a year of Apple TV Plus. I'm like, sweet, and they're turning out great. Anyway, <laughs> guys, questions for you. What do you think? I, I mean, which do you own? Are, are you an idiot like me and have like every single streaming service? Have you already hit that point? Like I'm thinking we all need to get to where we're going to start picking and choosing which ones we have. How much more can they charge before it comes a breaking point? And what do you think is a reasonable, still good value for your dollar per individual streaming services, not overall? What do you guys think? Let me know. All right that down let's move on to this shall we one of my absolute favorite shows on tv is the boys it's one of those few shows that far exceeds the original source material like a lot of people say yeah the movie's good wasn't as good as comic yeah the show's good not as good as the book i i actually think the boys i mean robert and i were talking about this before i actually think the boys far exceeds the greatness of the graphic novels of, of the comics the comics are great the show's better and I love it. Now, one of the things about The Boys, though, is that it is gruesome. Mm-hmm. It is hard, hard R. It is gory. It is sexual. It is violent. And yet, the reason it's one of my favorite shows is that it's in that that visceral package, right? But underneath it is great story, great characters, great dynamics, great dialogue. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful, fantastic show that's also really, really gritty, bring on the filthy. Well, they announced a while ago they have a spinoff series coming called Gen V, which is basically in the world of the boys, but it's the university that Vought sends all the young up-and-coming superheroes to. It's the college, the university they go to. And we were told right away, that this is going to be really in the vein of the boys. It's going to be really 
hard R. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a lot of the sexual exploitations that go on on universities is going to be gory and all that kind of stuff. Well, they dropped the first full trailer today. And just the trailer promises all of that. Everything from literally a fist going through a guy's mouth to a girl, our main character, I think her superpower is controlling her own blood and like <laughs> creating, using her own blood as a weapon. And would be a, there's a great line in the trailer. It's like, I made his dick explode when somebody, the other girl says tag team explosion or whatever it is like, this is the show I wanted it to be. Uh, this comes to us. If you're not really quite sure what the base of the show is, this comes to us from the verge who write the following Gen V focuses on the lives of a number of students, um, articulating at Godolkin university school of crime fighting Vought school for people gifted with superpowers after being exposed to compound V. Like many of the kids at Godolkin, Marie Monroe dreams of one day becoming a world-renowned superhero because she wants to join the seven uh, and shows up having little idea of just how corrupt uh, all Vought-sponsored enterprises are once you really start to dig into them. At first, it's easy for Marie to get a sense that Godolkin might be good for her in the same way that it seems to be good for mass manipulator Emma Meyer, shapeshifter Jordan, uh, and empath Kate Dunlap. But once popular... I don't know how to say this. Ferrokinetic? Ferrokinetic? Sure. Uh, yeah, Andre Anderson yeah. Uh, invites Marie into his social circle and the life of drug-fueled partying that comes with it. She starts to realize what a dangerous situation she's in, uh, one where her power to manipulate blood will probably come in handy. <laughs> and uh, listen, sounds good to me. I <laughs> loved the trailer. I thought the trailer was great. It was very much in the vein of the boys, which makes sense. It's in the it's in the world of the boys. Uh, we already saw that the PR girl from Vought, who's in the boys, she makes an appearance in it. It's going to be interesting to see if like Homelander or any of the other major members of the Seven and in the world of boys, I don't know if Billy Butcher shows up snoop, snooping around the school. I mean, it's not a boys series; it's Gen V. Still, it'd be good to see like the odd cameo here and there just to really reemphasize the ties between the two different worlds. Uh, I saw it. I loved it. Now, actually, here's this is what's interesting. Jonathan and I were talking a bit before we start recording the show because Gen V is going to have the same challenge for some people that the boys does. Cause I, the guys watch the trailer and Jonathan mentioned, I haven't even watched the boys yet. And I'm yeah. like, why haven't you watched the boys? And your answer was, well, because I mean, I've got, I've got young ones at the house. So it's like, I, I have mixed company, so I can't just pop it on the big screen. So and the boys I, is not something you can just pop on with kids around. Yeah. And then it's like, well, okay, I can watch it on my iPad with headphones, but when you're in a family of five, it's kind of hard, and you're the head of it. It's like you're, it's kind of hard to just be like, oh, I'm going to tune out right now. And then it's late, so that's my only chance. And there's so many other options to watch that it's like, well, I'll just watch something on TV that have to do all of this. You're you're literally going to have to find a chair in the corner, yeah. <laughs> with your back to the corner and an iPad yeah. facing the wall. That you can finally watch. I don't know. That's kind of Ray. You saw the trailer. What do you think of it? Yeah, I think it's really gross. Actually, um, <laughs> a lot really of the things gross. there, I'm not. I'm not really used to. I mean, okay. Uh, I forgot what day it was, but I tried to watch the boys maybe not too long ago, and I got through two episodes. It's a uh, very unique. Um, <laughs> it's gory. It's it. It gets straight to the point. You guys always warn me about it. I mean, some some days I'm I'm okay with that humor. Other days I I just can't I just can't do it. 
you know, I'll, I'll wait for the next day where I feel like watching like that sort of um, gr gr grotesque, like just, gruesome stuff. Yeah, not, not even gruesome, but it's just very. Yeah. What do you call that? Where it's like just like oh, uh, like I can't I can't figure out the word right now. But so you didn't even see the episode where the one hero shrank down to a tiny size and crawled up the guy's pee hole uh, uh, and then expanded to full size. I, I'm going to look that one up because I might skip that one. That might be a skipper <laughs> for me. Did You You weren't here the day were yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah. that I, Chris I and Aaron that. did the reaction to that? Yeah, because you guys were in there and I, I just heard from out here. I was like, oh like my if, God. Yeah, if you want to get us, if you've never seen The Boys, you want to get a sense, just watch that one scene. That'll give you a sense for just how far. Well, they, Literally, somebody crawls up another man's pee hole and then expands himself to full size blowing the guy up. Yeah. It's, uh, and I mean, that's it, how far they will go. And it is kind of like, there are, I mean, I've seen bits. Where you're like, well, I like that character. And they didn't just die like, oh, I got shot and I'm dead. It's like, they get torn apart and you're like, but I like that character. And I have to watch them get torn apart. It can kind of like tear at your heartstrings. De death scenes in the boys yeah. are, are gruesome. Mm -hmm. Like they're real, real gruesome. Even when somebody like Stormfront survives it, it's gruesome. I mean, it's, and it looks like Gen V is going to follow in those footsteps. And I cannot wait to watch this show. I don't know what that says about me, but I cannot <laughs> wait to watch this show. All right, guys, we still got to talk about all things going on with Barbie and Oppenheimer and the box office and incredible success. But before we do, we're going to take a quick second here and thank one of the sponsors of today's episode, my mobile service provider, and they absolutely should be yours. Guys, what are you doing if you're not with Mint Mobile? We want to thank a sponsor of this video, Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, your utility bills and favorite streaming services, inflation is everywhere. Seriously, make it stop. Thankfully, there's one company out there that's giving you a much-needed break. It's Mint Mobile. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you order from home and save a ton with phone plans starting at just $15 a month. You guys know that ever since I switched to Mint Mobile, I've been saving almost 70% a month over my old phone plan. For people looking Looking for extra savings this year? Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. By going online only and eliminating the traditional cost of retail, Mint Mobile passes the significant savings on to you. All of their plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just $15 a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash campia. That's mintmobile.com slash campia. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Mint Mobile for being my mobile service provider. They should be yours too. And for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys. With that down... Let's get on to this, shall we? What a weekend at the box office. We had two films that both didn't just beat box office projections, utterly destroyed their box office projections. Many people, including myself, underestimated the power of Barbenheimer. It's not just a weird word, ladies and gentlemen. It is a straight-up <laughs> phenomenon. Yep. They estimated Barbie was going to make anywhere between 85 and $100 million, which already would have been a smash success. That movie made 
The initial report was 155. That has now been updated to $162 million at the box office domestically. Because remember, whenever we talk about opening weekend box office, you're always talking about domestic numbers. You don't talk about international numbers because every movie opens in a different amount of territories. You can't do an apples-to-apples comparison. But opening weekend alone, movie made $162 million. As Ray Ora pointed out earlier today, that means on its opening weekend domestically, Barbie made more money than Shazam 2 made in its entire global theatrical run. And by the way, talking about domestic U.S. numbers, in its opening weekend alone, Barbie made more money than Fast X did domestically in all of its theatrical run. Think about that. In all the weeks that Fast X played in United States theaters, Barbie made more money in a couple of days than Fast X did in its entire theatrical run domestically and made way more money in its entire theatrical run, like just in its opening weekend, than The Flash did. The Flash ended up making, in its grand total in U.S. shores, made about $102 million in U.S. theaters. Overall, Barbie made $162 million in its first couple of days. And Oppenheimer... Destroyed its expectations as well. They were projecting Oppenheimer to make 40 to $50 million in its opening weekend, which would have been great mm-hmm. for a three-hour, non-action, non-franchise, talking period piece biopic. The movie destroyed those expectations, making $82 million. Which, by the way, I'll see if I bring this up here. Yeah, I can It made it the number one opening weekend for any Christopher Nolan film ever that didn't have the Batman in it. Beating out films like The Prestige, who made $14 million on its opening weekend. Inception, which was his biggest non-Batman film, which opened a $62 million opening weekend. Interstellar, $47 opening weekend. Dunkirk in 2017 made $50 million in its opening weekend. Tenet made $9 million. You got to put an asterisk beside that. We understand there were extenuating circumstances, but still. $82 million for Oppenheimer, which, by the way, might, I got to still marinate on this a little while longer, it might be his best film. And it might be the best film of the year. I I still have Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse in that number one spot for me personally, but Oppenheimer, if I think about it more, might take that number one spot for me. Anyway, a remarkable success. Now, here's the headline, though. Barbenheimer led the way to it not just being a great opening weekend for Barbie and a great opening weekend for Oppenheimer. It led the way to the fourth biggest weekend box office in the history of Hollywood. This comes to us from Variety. Right, sis. This is an unequivocal great weekend for moviegoing, says David A. Gross, who runs the movie consulting firm franchise Entertainment Research. Barbie and Oppenheimer are complementing each other at the box office, not taking box office from each other. The cultural craze known as Barbenheimer worked to fuel the biggest collective box office weekend of the pandemic era, as well as the fourth biggest overall weekend in history. It's worth noting that the top three weekends of all time were led by the debuts of sequels in massive franchises, Avengers Endgame, Avengers Infinity War, and Star Wars The Force Awakens. So you take those opening weekends, Infinity War, Force Awakens, by the way, Force Awakens, the number one domestic box office film in history, and Endgame. You take those out of the equation, 
This is the biggest opening weekend. This is the biggest weekend at the box office in history. This is something that not just Warner Brothers needed badly, not just something that Universal wanted badly. This was something the box office needed badly, period, right? Especially when you look at things like Barbie and Oppenheimer are two original films. Like, I don't care that Barbie is based on a doll. It's not based on an original Barbie book. These are two original films. So this is the biggest box office weekend in history led by non-franchise films, although I'm sure Barbie will become a franchise. But the fourth biggest in history, only being beaten by weekends that had Endgame, Infinity War, and Star Wars The Force Awakens. That is crazy when you consider the post-pandemic era. Did you notice during our showing of uh, Oppenheimer, some some people that were coming in late, they're all in pink. People were really doing the doubleheader thing. Well, well, we're we're going to talk uh, about that specifically on the next topic. But a bit. but but it seems like these two movies not only got everyone who wanted to see them, but the people who usually don't go to the theaters, they got all them out the house too. That's what I'm yeah, thinking. That that's the key here, right? It's like these these movies are movies, particularly Barbie. Barbie for sure. That will appeal to a demographic that may not be regular moviegoers. They for whatever reason they want to get there. But there's something they said in this article that I thought was really interesting. They said Barbie and Oppenheimer are complementing each other at the box office rather than taking box office from each other. You know, it all pardon me, it all started a few weeks ago. When Tom Cruise got put on his social media, him and Mission Impossible director Christopher McQuarrie standing at a movie theater holding their tickets, they went to go see doubleheaders of Barbie and Oppenheimer 2 and talked about how great Barbie and Oppenheimer were. We heard Greta Gerwig talking about how great Oppenheimer was. We heard Christopher Nolan mentioning how good he thought Barbie was. Like, these were films that... The whole paradigm, this understanding we have that, hey, if there's two movies in the, in the theater at the same time, they're just going to cannibalize each other, Right. Instead, the presence of Oppenheimer, I believe, actually heightened interest in Barbie and vice versa, right? And, and too much of Hollywood right now is at war with each other. It's good to see this love for, um, you know, the artists showing love towards each other. We got to appreciate what we just witnessed this past weekend. I don't think I'll ever in my lifetime go through a bigger weekend than this one, to be honest. It's it's. <sighs> I mean, who knows what happens when the next Avengers movie comes out, whatever. But we saw two movies that are completely different from each other going after completely demographics. And yet they manage to make the kind of money that they made. And the real interesting thing about it was that it really does appear that them being in theaters at the same time actually helped each other. Yeah. And that's remarkable. Didn't help Mission Impossible. Uh. <laughs> which took like a 65% drop. But Oppenheimer and Barbie, this Barbenheimer thing is going to be something that they talk about, I, I think, for, for the next decade or so. People are going to look back at this weekend as, and try to glean a lot of lessons, I think, from it. And you know what the best part is? My poor turtles. You're, <laughs> oh, my poor turtles. No, no, turtles are the next you one time up. on that. But here's the really neat thing about it. <laughs> is, and this is good. One of the best things about it is they're both really good movies. I mean, Oppenheimer, I think, is the better movie. But Barbie, while it's not going to end up in my top five favorite films of the year list, it's a very good, smart, fun, funny movie. And it's always great to see original, quality movies get rewarded with box office success. 
and uh, to a success that the whole theatrical industry really because you know we got strikes going on right now actor strike writer strike i'm sure the movie theaters are worried a little bit you had some movies like flash and whatever underperforming and blah blah blah. but right this led to this weekend man and everybody's got to be thrilled so it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of legs both these movies have i was thinking the same thing because next week there's only talk to me and haunted mansion oh and a special screening Mm mm-hmm on Saturday of Turtles. Yeah, but I mean, Especially not a lot of people get to screen. go to that. Yeah. So I think these, I'm wondering, what do you think of the drop-off? Oh, well, listen, you know what ain't going to cause a drop-off? Haunted Mansion. No. I, like, I'm going to see Haunted Mansion on Thursday. I mm. know, and you guys had to give me a t- It could just be a 50% drop-off on these. I don't think it's going to be <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I actually think, because, listen, a lot of people went to go see Barbie and couldn't because it was sold out. Oppenheimer is an adult film, Mm -hmm. right? The older audiences don't tend to necessarily rush out opening weekend like a bunch of the younger audiences do. Can you imagine if you get an inverse? So we could see a lot of people going to go see it for the first time next weekend. Yeah, I'm thinking like a flip on that, right? Yeah. So And there's going to be repeat business. Because I heard a lot of people saying, I can't wait to go see this again. Uh, For example, my wife right now is actually, as we speak, is probably in the theater watching Oppenheimer right now. Oh, it's okay. She couldn't go this this past weekend, but she's going to go... This week, so it's going to be really interesting to see what kind of numbers they hold next weekend. All right. With that down, guys, uh, let's kind of stay on the topic of Barbenheimer a little bit, because this is really interesting. Now, as we were talking about Oppenheimer, Ray mentioned that we saw some people coming into our theater watch it dressed in pink. Because you remember, a lot of people, AMC reports over (laughs) 100,000 of their A-list members Double booked for the same day to see Oppenheimer and Barbie. They were doing a lot of people were doing double headers, and that's only A list members. So we had a lot of people coming in. Probably saw, yeah, probably saw a Barbie early, right? Too you Barbie people. But here's the thing: <laughs> according to a new report out, some of those people coming in in pink didn't see Barbie earlier. Oh, they went to go see Barbie, but couldn't because it was sold out. Because according to a new report, and I'm going to be reading this from IndieWire. Mm-hmm. Oppenheimer made over $5 million in ticket sales just from people who couldn't get in to see Barbie. Uh, This is what they write in IndieWire. Barbenheimer double features were only the beginning. Disappointed by sold-out shows, hundreds of thousands of Barbie fans turned to Robert Oppenheimer for comfort. The result? (laughs) I'm sure it worked. (laughs) I'm sure it worked. An extra $5 million at the Oppenheimer box office. According to film data research company The Quorum, 6% of the people who saw Oppenheimer in the U.S. this past weekend did so because tickets to Barbie were sold out. Oppenheimer drew 83, it was actually 82 point something. Anyway, million dollars domestically. So $4.98 million is attributed to Barbie leftovers. Oppenheimer made 93.7 million at the foreign box office as well. Okay, so this is another great example of having two different movies going for two different, can actually benefit the other. A bunch of people wearing pink went to go see Barbie, found out, because listen, nobody expected all the screenings to be sold out, okay? Even I thought, I thought Barbie was going to be a hit, but I thought it was going to make around the 90 to $100 million opening weekend, which is still an amazing success. It stole like 50% more. So a lot of people, I'm sure, went to the theaters thinking it's not going to be a problem to get a seat, but they went to the theaters and found out there was no room at the inn. But we've got a we got a manger over here. If you show an Oppenheimer, if yeah. you want to go stay in the barn, 
And then people went to go see Oppenheimer. And I'm sure they ended up being thrilled because Oppenheimer might be the best film of the year. So, I mean, I just found this to be very, very interesting. I think you made a good point. If if the movie was that gained the uh, the over from from the Barbie sellout um, was bad, then it would be a bigger story. Like, oh, wow, they went to go see a bad movie. But yeah, they, they got went, to see a yeah. Nolan film. They got they to see a see great it. movie. And also, I wonder how much the app downloads jumped up because of this. Huge. Actually, there was a story in uh, Deadline today about how AMC, I mean, there was others as well, but just for example, AMC's app had like record number of downloads since his opening because of Barbenheimer. And it still blows my mind every time we go to the Tyler and we're walking in for our movie, the line at the ticket line, like people still walk up and just... You know what? That is the craziest thing to me. Every time I see a ticket window, I think nobody uses ticket windows anymore. They do. And then we go... Every time. But and there's you know still what? line of people using the ticket count. I, I do see the demographic as in like, I understand, like they're... It's the younger, the ones that are like after but you'd school. you think they'd be more into They don't have no apps. debit cards yet. It's like high school kid. You know what I mean? So it I understand. You don't think high school kids have debit cards? Well, I didn't. Did yeah, you? but you were you were a teenager in the 1940s yeah, or something okay. like that, right? It's well, been a while. I mean, I, well, you got, a, you got teenagers yeah. in the house, right? Do uh -huh. they, does any of them have their own debit cards? Well, they have what are called step cards, so they're like prepaid. Right. Okay. Kind of yeah, gets them enough. into like, oh, this is how you can kind of make transactions and stuff like that. Well, my 18 year old has a bank account now. So well, okay. Yeah. See, but I'm, like the minors have like what's called a step. Okay. Card. So maybe yeah, you should get a point there, right? Yeah. So, so it's the younger kids that are still in the ticket lines, trying to. It wasn't that long ago. I was using the little electronic kiosks. They're all broken you know? now. Yeah. I mean, they're all I, broken. I'll use the electronic kiosk before I'll go to the ticket window. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, back when I was using Movie Pass, you had to use the kiosk. But I mean, yeah. So a lot of the app. Uh, apps are getting downloaded there. Okay. And here's the other thing. See, this isn't like those other bigger opening weekends, like Endgame's opening weekend or Infinity War. You know why? Because this. They knew, the theaters knew that they were going to get overrun with people when Endgame was coming out. The theaters knew they were going to get overrun when The Force Awakens came out, right? So you had a lot more of their screens playing those movies to accommodate the movie theaters did not know this many people were going to go see Barbie. And this is one of the few times that I'll say if they had had more screens, Barbie maybe could have made 175, 180 million opening weekend. But they just simply, nobody knew. Nobody knew it was going to have this big of a turnout. Yeah. Which, you know what, Jonathan, to your point, maybe so many people getting turned away from Barbie will speak to how maybe big the second weekend might be. Yeah. You know, so there, there's I, still going to be an inverse relationship because you either had people that aren't got into Barbie. They they didn't have time to do the double feature because that's a huge time, like cost of time. So they're going to go see Oppenheimer the next week. And then the flip side, you didn't get to see Barbie. Yep. You're going to go do that. I also would make an argument that MI2 is not going to have a terrible weekend three because now the rush went out to see the these two. And they might be like, we never got to see MI, uh, you know, uh, Dead Reckoning. So it might get a, a small bump still. You mean MI seven? Seven, yes. You know yeah, but but I mean it. I mean it's already taken a big I drop, know. huge well, drop. It's because it's because people now want to see these films. It's just like me. I mean, I'm being silly here when I say I'm. I didn't want to slum it, but I didn't want to see it in in laser. I wanted to see it in IMAX. Yeah, or I wanted to see yep. it in mm -hmm. Dolby Cinema. Yeah, a lot of you people have, have been saying that. I, I'm just saying, like the two times, the two showings we went to, different theaters, different companies, Barbie and Oppenheimer. The saddest people <laughs> that we saw. 
was all the workers there because they knew it was going to be. So let's let's not try to give those workers a hard time. You know, they're going to have a really, they had a really rough weekend. <laughs> These are the I'm workers sure. in the back. They're like, but they needed got to snap out of it. They yeah, needed they this needed weekend. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, sure. Christopher Nolan, the thing I order. So Christopher Nolan and Margot Robbie, they needed to deliver because they needed the work, man. They really, really did. Yeah. All right, guys, listen, we're now going to move on and start taking questions from our channel members. But before we do, I mentioned them a little bit earlier. Another spot sponsor of today's episode of the John Campion Show podcast. They have saved me on several occasions. The great folks at Rocket Money. We want to take a second to thank a sponsor of this video, Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. And for me, Rocket Money has been a godsend. I've told you the story before about how I found out that I was still paying a gym membership from when I was still living in Burbank, California, two years ago. And just recently, I had completely forgotten that I was subscribed to multiple music services with different apps. Rocket Money identified the ones I was using and help me cancel my subscriptions super easy. And I'm not alone. Over 80% of people have subscriptions that they've completely forgotten about. And chances are you're one of them. Like that Stars app you use just to watch one show or that free gaming trial that you never got around to canceling. Rocket Money will quickly and easily find your subscriptions for you. And for any that you don't want to pay for anymore, just hit cancel and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. It's that easy. Rocket Money also helps you manage all your finances in one place and automatically categorize your expenses. So you can easily track your budget in real time and also get alerted if anything looks off. So stop throwing your money away. Cancel unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash campia. That's rocketmoney.com slash campia. Rocketmoney.com slash campia. And thank you to our friends at Rocket Money for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show podcast. All right, guys. With that down, let's get over to our channel members' questions here. Jonathan, what do we got up first? All right, we were literally just talking about this, but Alan writes, Happy Monday, Campy Crew. I heard about Mission Impossible's drop due to Oppenheimer and Barbie's huge box office. I feel that Oppenheimer and Barbie can have good legs in the next couple of weeks. Do you think that Mission Impossible may struggle due to their success? Thanks. I think Mission Impossible, look, nobody agreed with me when I said I don't think Mission Impossible is going to be a billion-dollar film. I, and, and it's not because Barbie and Oppenheimer were opening after. It's because no Mission Impossible film has made a billion dollars. Now, this Mission Impossible film, Mission Impossible 7, is great. And it deserves big box office success. And I thought it would have more than normal because of maybe some momentum coming off the huge hit that was Top Gun Maverick. So... I don't know. I also hesitate to say that it had a big second weekend drop off because of Barbie and Oppenheimer. I mean, yes, certainly there are going to be a number of people that if Barbie and Oppenheimer were not in theaters, they would have gone to see Mission Impossible for the first time, maybe second time. But I don't know. It's going to be a struggle for Mission Impossible uh, moving forward. I mean, it's it's just not going to get. I mean, I still think it's going to come into the six hundred million dollar range, seven hundred million dollar range. But yeah, it's it's not going to get anywhere at that billion dollar mark. All right, what's next? Red One Real Talk writes, I'm a big fan of 20th century period pieces. So uh, to say I was stunned would be a disservice to the brilliance of Oppenheimer. This film was epic in ways I could never expect. This movie exceeded my love for Spider-Verse and delivered the payoff I've been waiting for as a film fan. I One of the things I mentioned in my out of the theater reaction was just stunned. But I meant stunned in almost the literal way. Like, I didn't 
like I, I was at a loss for words. The movie is so powerful. It's so well told. I'm not normally a big fan. Uh, I mean, there are exceptions, but I'm not normally a big fan of stories that tell it very non-linearly, right? Like they jump between periods, time periods all throughout the movie, but they do it. Christopher Nolan does it so fluidly that it feels like just one string of consciousness. And by the time this movie ended, I was just like, what did I just watch? Mm. Like it, it really is Christopher Nolan at the absolute height of his power. Um, I, I am suddenly now, we always can't wait for the next Christopher Nolan movie. By the way, that little report that we did last week about the possibility, like him basically telling the world he wants to do a James Bond film. Oh my God. Now I want that more than that. <laughs> It might be the first Bond film I watch. I, I mean, oh, I'm telling you what, you get Christopher Nolan do a Bond film now, I I just don't even know what the limits of the possibilities of that movie would be. All right, what's next? Red, uh, Red One is back. What did you think of the musical numbers and choreography in Barbie? I'm holding out hope that I'm just I'm just Ken gets an Oscar nom or live performance. <laughs> uh, the gauze was a pure delight in this. I guarantee you it'll get an Oscar performance. Whether it gets a nomination, I don't know. Like ever since Celine Dion's Ashes didn't get a nomination from Deadpool 2, which it not just should have been nominated, it should have won. Uh, I have no idea what they think when it comes to the musical categories. No idea. But it will get it. Um, I really like the musical numbers, although I will say that one of the problems I had with Barbie was I did feel, unlike Oppenheimer, which was a th basically a three-hour movie, Barbie's not that long of a movie, but it felt like it was too long for what it was. Mm. I felt like it was a movie that should have been tightened up and maybe one of the musical numbers could have been sacrificed. Uh, some scenes were longer than they needed to be. I just felt like that was a movie that could have been tightened up a little bit more. But overall, I did enjoy the musical. Will it be enough to Who? get a nomination? <laughs> <laughs> I'm enough. Never mind. But... What's the song? What's the name of the band that sings? I wanna push you around. Who sings that again? Uh, is it Matchbox? No. It might be Matchbox Twenty. I don't I yeah. I Ray remember. asked me earlier. That's why he's looking at me, and I was like, "Who cares?" I, I oh, can't remember. Have you seen Barbie yet? <laughs> no. Oh, oh okay. my! That like then, the, then, then, the then. performance of that in it killed me. <laughs> anyway, all right. What's next? All right. Uh, Kayak writes. So last week I went to a secret screening at my theater, and it turned out. Oh, cool! It turned out to be nice. Barbie. Uh, me and my fellow audience members didn't choose this movie and didn't pay for it, uh, as it was one of the perks of our loyalty program. Do such screenings count to overall box office? I don't think so. Well, okay, let's put it this way. Um, it depends on if it functions the way like AMC A-List. So like when you use a, a, your, uh, a membership like AMC A-List, you actually don't pay for the movie ticket, right? You just pay for your monthly membership. Then what the, happens is the movie theater treats it on the books mm. like a basically an $11 movie. Like they take whatever the national average is for a movie ticket price, which I think right now is about $11 is the national average. So they count it on the books as an $11 movie ticket sale. And then, so then they send, you know, they, the, the cut to the studios that they get the, you know, 70% that they get all that kind of stuff. So that's how they factor it in for box office purposes. As a free perk to a loyalty program, I'm not really sure. I mean, obviously, it's an insignificant amount because there'll probably be a, like a very, very, very small amount of screens that did that. So I'm not really sure. It could be. It depends on how, what, what loyalty program it is and how they function it. All right. What's next? 
Adam uh, writes, can a whole movie be filmed in IMAX or is it only intended for large set pieces? Uh, yeah, yeah there have be. been there have been movies shot entirely in IMAX. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely they can. It's it's I it's not easy, but you can do it. And IMAX cameras have gotten smaller. Mm -hmm. It used to be these giant honking right. things. They're still much larger larger than regular cameras, but it's a little easier now. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? Ulitan writes, uh, how much how much does it look and feel of a film effect uh, for viewing experience? For me, if picture quality seems too polished, it would take me a while to get engaged in viewing experience. Is this a cinematography decision? I find myself more attracted to grittier, grainier pictures versus really clean imagery. Uh, it just feels more cinematic. That probably speaks more, I would say, to like the uh, the frame rate. So maybe he's speaking about like high frame rate where it kind of feels like it's a BBC, like, you know, television program because like the hobbit did that with that first one i hated the high frame rate but of course he could be talking about and i hate the high frame rate as well it feels too they call it the soap opera yeah, yeah. Soap right opera effect. the it depends on the movie because i think he's also maybe could be talking not so much about frame rate but say take man of steel which there was a lot of criticism i, right. I think unfair criticism leveled at Zack snyder for the color palette choices of the <laughs> right. movie and all that kind of stuff right for me, it really doesn't matter. Like, honestly, let's take this for example. The little TV screen that's on the back of the airplane seat that you're sitting behind and you and you watch, right? Mm. That is not a high quality screen. It is a tiny little screen. But once I start watching a movie or once I start watching a show and I get engaged with it, things like frame rate, things like color palette, things like how clean or how gritty it feels. It, it honestly kind of fades into the background for me. And I don't, at the end of the day, I don't really notice it all that much. It also depends on the movie. Some movies would be like a, like a modern rom-com, a good, sharp, clean, bright, colorful image probably goes a lot further than in something like Oppenheimer, Right which is supposed to be set in a different time period. It's going to have a different dynamic to it. So it really depends on the movie. But at the end of the day, once I get involved in a movie, it, all that kind of stuff kind of fades in the background for me. All right, what's next? All right. Uh, Nolan was asked in an interview, what's a movie he always watches if he finds it while channel surfing? One of his answers was Talladega Nights. <laughs> Which is weird because one of the things I've been wanting from Christopher Nolan is I've really been wanting a... Look, I love it when filmmakers get out of their regular sandbox. That's one of the reasons that I say Steven Spielberg is the greatest filmmaker of all time, not just because he's made the, all the best movies, but because he is a filmmaker shown he can do any genre, any kind of movie you throw at him, he can do it. Sci-fi, animated, comedy, biopic, period piece, musical, dramatic, like whatever. He can do it all. I would love to see Christopher Nolan get out of his regular sandbox and do something really out there like a straight-up comedy, something even likened unto a Talladega Nights. Hmm. So it's kind of funny that he would say that. I want to go fast. I like I what and just I don't know why this is so weird. Anne pulled out a Talladega Nights quote last night out of the blue for no reason. She said, If you're not first, you're last. Hmm. That was in Talladega Nights, right? Uh -huh. If you're not first, you're last. Uh so Adam McKay, baby. I find it very whole, although unfortunately Adam McKay and Will Ferrell don't work to won't work yeah, together but anymore. That, he directed it, so yeah. But uh, 
I, I would love to see Christopher Nolan do a comedy like that. All right, what's next? Okay, we've got <coughs> Big Cookie who writes, I did the Barbenheimer this weekend. Both, I like that it's the, I did the Barbenheimer. The Barbenheimer. It was, it's, it's, now a, it's, it's now it's almost like a noun. Yeah. Uh, both movies were great. Really hoping Gosling performs I Am Ken live at the Oscars along with Jack Black's speeches. They would bring the house down. It'd make a nice one-two thing. I, I mean, listen. Like a medley. The the Jack Black Peaches song to me is still the song of the year when it comes to movies. But the the Ken song, yeah, I I very much want to see. I want to see him and Simu Liu on the stage together. They have do, to do it. I think it would be great. And it, look, it's going to end up being one of the biggest films of the year. Yeah, I, I don't think it'll catch Mario Brothers, but it's going to be one of the biggest films of the year. And uh, they they got to do it. They got to do it. All right, what's next? Okay, we've got uh, Matt says hello. No questions. Hope you're all having a great day. Matt from London. Hey, Matt keep your eyes London. open for Chris Carr. She's yeah, floating around Chris. out there somewhere. All right, what's next? Uh, uh, we Fly the W writes, did you see Variety article where NBC Universal is going to be fined $250 for tree trimming uh, where the strikers were? It, yeah, I saw that it was like due to um, no permit for tree trimming. They didn't get their permit before they did it. 250 bucks. Yeah. It, it, it's a non-story. It's a yeah, non it still doesn't mean they did it on purpose. No, certainly certainly not. No chance in hell. All right, what's um, next? CJ Rebirth writes, I've now started to binge watch the sitcom Superstore. Oh, uh, that, that building's gone now. It's all sound mm -hmm. stages. Uh, Superstore on Peacock with America Ferrera, and it's hilarious and fun. It's like the office mix with uh, Employee of the Month. Yeah, movie. that's what it is. You know what? I've always heard good things about it. It just never looked appealing to me. But now that I've just seen you know America Ferrera in uh, Barbie... I don't know. I might have to check it out yeah. at some point. I, again, it's never looked appealing to me, but I've never talked to somebody who watched it that said, eh, it's okay. Like, most people really enjoy it. Did you ever watch yeah, it? Yeah, I, I think I watched the whole season. I, re I really like it. It's only because sometimes the show's setting interests me. That setting is like more like, oh, it's at Walmart, workers of Walmart. And so, and then, you know, and then the office, obviously I worked in an office before that had cubicles like that and stuff. So that interests me too. But yeah, I thought it was really funny. I need to continue it or finish it off. All right. What's next? Okay. We've got Dr. Stinky who writes, hi, John, I saw Oppenheimer and Barbie and wow, what a cinematic triumph. Both of these films are perfect. Oppenheimer is one of Nolan's best. Not quite as good as Interstellar, but that's in my top two films of all time. Uh, first only to Citizen Kane. Anyway, how did you guys like these films? Bring on the, I don't know, something filthy. filthy. Um, I mean, I listen. Oppenheimer is one of the best films of the year. I, I I'm not going to lie to you. Interstellar is not one of my favorite Christopher Nolan films, but I still liked it. I enjoy it. But like, I, I think Oppenheimer might be his best film. Barbie, I really, I let's put it this way: I enjoyed Barbie a hell of a lot more than I expected I would. Especially if you had asked John from six months ago, who had no expectations mm -hmm. of this movie. Uh, both are really, really well done films. Both fiercely original films. Uh, they're very, very different from each other. I had an absolute ball at the movies this week. I, I, I mean, really, just an absolute ball. I'm, and now I'm really, listen, here's an unexpected consequence of watching Barbenheimer. Having had such a good time at the movies, it has actually elevated my excitement for this Saturday when I am actually going to watch the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And Jonathan, you should come too. I, was, I honestly would like to experience that with Ray. 
Uh, maybe we should see, see if we can still I get mean, a ticket no, no, for no, you. There's for still that. a bunch of tickets. We'll talk about it after. We'll talk about yeah. it after. We'll talk about it afterwards. But yeah, everyone, you know, we got a whole row to ourselves. That's and right. We still have a back row behind hey, us. Hey, dude, that's going to be a great day because not only are we going to watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We're going to have pizza. We're then going back to our place to have a little impromptu Ray birthday Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme party. And then... Gechi versus Poyo. Oh, yeah. oh you got to fight that in the evening, and mm. that card. It's a UFC for anybody who doesn't care. Uh, that card is who won the first one? Uh, I believe Poye won. By was it by knockout? No, I don't. I don't think it was by. I I could be wrong. I thought I think it was by decision. But like Gechi became a much better fighter after that, that fight, that's and so is Poye. That's going to be a hell of a fight. Those are two of my favorite fighters. Again, Those guys that aren't afraid to show show what they're made of in the ring. Oh I no! Mean, and I, listen, like it's here's the thing: Gechi is a maestro of violence, right? The only fight he's really lost. Uh, especially in the last X number of years, was to the greatest fighter of all time in Khabib Nurmagomedov. And so is, uh, and so is Poye. Poye yeah. lost him too. But Poye is is a much slicker, more technical fighter as well. But the two of them can absolutely just stand yep. in the middle of the ring, throw down gloves, and drop bombs on each other. It And these I res- these two guys respect each other. It's I cannot wait for this fight. And I don't even know who I'm cheering for. Like, it's going to be a great it's fight. Be- All right. Let's get to two more. What's next? All right. Uh, Dr. Stinky writes, hey, John and crew, how did you like the Marvels trailer? I thought it looked kind of blah. What? I'm kind of worried about Marvel right now. Anyway, love y'all. Bring on I, I, am, I am the same and different from you. I am also not feeling a lot of excitement for the Marvels, even though I love Ms. Marvel. And I enjoyed the Captain Marvel movie. I'm not super excited about it. But I thought it was quite a good trailer. I thought oh, it was yeah. a great trailer. I watched it this morning for the first time, yeah. and I was like, I love it the got energy me more elevated. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people got more excited for it as a result of this trailer. I, I thought it was, again, I'm not super excited for the movie. Yeah. But I thought it was a very good, high quality. It certainly made me more interested in the movie than I was. It to me, it, oh, yeah. go ahead. Go, go ahead. No, no, go. To me, I was just going to say it definitely looks like they're bringing the fun back to Marvel mm. from yeah. the trailer. So. And I guess my only problem with it is it's too far away right now for me to start getting excited for it. What is it, November? November. Yeah. Yeah, There's a lot of things in the way for- I wish it was coming out sooner. I mean, we got Haunted Mansion coming up, so you know everyone's just thinking about that. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Can I say something? The only reason why I wish you guys didn't get me a a ticket for Haunted Mansion is not only because I wasn't looking forward to it, (laughs) but but I've been on the streak of liking every movie. Please, Haunted Mansion, be good. I wanna like you. If I'm gonna go yeah, see you, I'm not gonna I want- lie. I don't have a lot of high hopes for Haunted Mansion. I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope, hope I'm wrong. wrong I hope too. we go in there because it's got Rosario Dawson. It's got some of my favorite people. You got Rosario Dawson. You got Owen Wilson. You got Danny DeVito. You got um um. Why am I freezing on the dude from Atlanta? Um, uh, oh what? no 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 no. But but ba- ba- Tyree. No 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 no. No not Tyree right. Henry. No no no. Uh, the, the the other guy. Uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, why am I freezing on his name? He was he was in Glass Onion. No, not Glass Onion. He was in the first one. He was in uh, Knives Out. Uh, I'll have to look it up. Yeah, please look it up. And or Ray, look it up. The yeah. name. I, why, I love this guy. Why am I freezing his name? Anyway, all right. What's next? All right. Uh, hi. It's from Dad Jokes. Hi, John and Crew. It's Monday a.m. and I thought I'd go to see Barbie on my own tonight. And all the showings are still booked, other than the front row. Wow, this movie's gonna make the money. I mean, I couldn't even go. I honestly, like, Anne was thinking about going to go see Barbie this afternoon. But oh, she couldn't. Lakeith Stan- uh, Stanfield. Yeah. Thank you. I, he's great. Anne was going to go see Barbie instead of Oppenheimer today. Sold out. 
So she's going to go see Oppenheimer. Yeah. And, which is just as well because I think she wants to go see it with your sister. Barbie? Yeah, I think she she wants to go with your sister. So um, so that works out just as well. But I'm listen, now that we're getting these reports that Oppenheimer made like $5 million in sales because of people who couldn't see Barbie, I'm not surprised that we're getting a lot of overlap into the weekend. I know now. this week leading up to the weekend is still going to be good for both. Yeah. Because I cannot find an IMAX or a, or a uh, Prime or a Dolby Cinema not even that in Burbank. I'm saying also I, I looked at the Grove. I looked at the Americana. I looked at Universal. It's just the crap seats are left. That's it. Yeah. So. All right, guys. <laughs> crap seats. Yeah, like and right in the front. That'll do it for today's installment of the John Campy Show podcast. Thank you so much for being here and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to our channel members for sending in those questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, by being a channel member, you support what we do here. And all of us involved, thank you guys so much for your support. Don't forget, guys, to come on back and join us again tomorrow. Also, if you happen to be watching this on the YouTube channel, the best way to consume the John Campbell Show podcast is in podcast form. Make sure you guys go and subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your favorite podcasting app of choice is. And if you do prefer watching it on YouTube, make sure you've got it subscribed to on your podcast feed so you can have it there when you're at work, commuting, at the gym, whatever. The podcast will be there when you need it. So, for Ray Ora. Cowabunga, baby. Jonathan Voiko. What he said. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.